0: Um
1: Podcasts.
0: You're listening to the Go Birds Pod, a radio.com podcast about your beloved birds. We are around the locker room. Welcome in, everybody. John Barcher to LA Shore Parks, actually fresh off of uh, two press conferences, shaking hands with the Golden Tate, doing push ups for Timmy Jernigan, and who knows what else as uh, we <laughs> will explore around uh, this episode. Elliot, how's it going, buddy? How was the weekend?
1: Good. It's been too long since I recorded a podcast with you. I missed it. So I'm excited well, to it's... be back back in the state, back talking Eagles football. I'm, uh, I'm just excited. That's
0: what I mean. You know, sometimes you choose Paris, and sometimes you choose the podcast, and hopefully yeah. Paris wins out every time, especially uh, with the girlfriend. You made the right choice in doing hey. so. And it sounds <laughs> like... Uh, uh, oh, no, please go ahead. Is there, is there stories from Paris? Oh, well, there are tons of stories from
1: much are good for the podcast, but, uh, no, I mean, I was going to say, sometimes you choose Paris, sometimes you choose the podcast. I missed you guys. So, uh, Paris was probably still the right decision, but I'm definitely pumped to be back.
0: No, it was because I want to point out that Elliot did, uh, give us some nice, uh, nice, uh, parting gifts actually, as, uh, I got a sweet mug from London that looks like it's, uh, you know, it's one of those frozen mugs that has, uh, looks like you're drinking beer all the time. And of course, uh, he, Hooked up baby seltzer, which is seltzer. what you're doing,
1: basically, <laughs> pretty yeah. much
0: all, all day long. Right. And baby seltzer has a brand new bib, uh, ready to rock and roll from Paris. So, uh, pretty. Uh, Elliot's a fantastic guy, despite his tweets being bad. So, just remember yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, someone
1: at the someone at the bye week bash yesterday, which was an awesome time, by the way, was like <laughs> yes. uh, he was basically like, "Man, you're annoying as shit on Twitter, but in real life, you're actually not bad." And I was like, <laughs> "I basically, I basically want that on my tombstone." So I was a, uh, it was a good time. Everyone that came out was awesome.
0: Yeah! Shout out to Matt Gumbrecht, all the winning tickets, and the two hundred dollars that he left with uh, playing blackjack last night. So uh, that was that was a really fun time at the casino. At Man, Delaware you Park almost be...
1: messed our you almost messed our bet up over there. Should I, should I tell everybody real quick? Yeah. yeah so I think you uh, guys share that story.
0: We did a we did a everybody throwing ten bucks, uh, and it was a seventy dollar parlay to win forty or fifty five hundred dollars. And, uh, of course, Elliot instructs me just to go up to the cage and just yell out the bet numbers of, of the teams yeah, that you want. They,
1: yeah, because filling out the bet card was like doing an SAT like, fucking thing. Which I like, prefer,
0: so there's no mistakes. And what happens, I make a mistake. And I actually yell out the Lions bet card or the, the bet number instead of the Vikings. And then I started yeah. to panic because I'm like, Oh, my God, everything is covering so far except for that, <laughs> except for that game. So fortunately for everybody, we, uh, it didn't matter because we lost all the others, too. But we had a, we had uh, a lot of fun. We time. hope to hope to continue to do it on uh, next weekend as well. Uh, just before we get into Timmy Jernigan news, I want to remind everybody that the voicemail is once again open and ready for your takes. If you have anything good, bad, or otherwise to say about the matchups, the the Cowboys. Uh, we will play those all on the preview shows coming up. Two six seven two four five sixty sixty six. And honestly, use that line as much as you want. It doesn't have anything that's like, "Hey, you're listening to the Go Birds pod or anything." Because Skype won't let you do that anymore because they're rude. But yeah, as soon as you hear the beep, leave your full name, even if you're watching mid game and you just want to yell at somebody. And I, I know how that feels when you're like, "Ah, John was completely wrong about this defense," yeah. and, and so is Elliot, and I want to yell at them right at that moment. You can do that, 267. If you see one of two, my tweets, maybe, that makes you mad, that could be a good <laughs> time to, to jump right in. Right. 267 245 60, is the number to do that. Uh, a little bit surprising, though, today, Elliot, as uh, not uh, not all over surprising, but Timmy Jernigan doing walkthroughs of practice, uh, and then the yeah. Eagles leader tweeted uh, tweeted out that this is kind of like the 21-day window now where he can practice, and then they have three weeks to determine whether he'll be in you know, an active roster spot or not. First thing that jumps out at me, it, and then this is just a guess, but your impression of that, I think they're going to use the full, full three weeks. Did you hear anything different uh, down at Novacare today?
1: Um, I don't. I personally don't think they're going to use the full three weeks. Uh, I mean, the one thing that I would maybe say backs up your your guess is Jim Schwartz talk today. And you know, we asked about Timmy journey in practicing for the first time, and he was like, "Well, practice is a nice way to put it, considering it was just a walkthrough." He um, mentioned that maybe soon Timmy Jernigan will start to take practice team reps, which obviously, you know, uh, doesn't exactly scream him playing right away. Um, I would be really surprised if he played against the Cowboys. But I just think that when you look at the moves this team has made at defensive tackle, like for weeks, all of us have been saying, like, you're thin a defensive tackle, you're thin a defensive tackle. And they really have, I mean, they've cut more defensive tackle than they've signed. I mean, they moved on from Destiny Viau, who was hurt, but they did release slash cut him. Uh, you know, Bruce Hector was released. Uh, then I believe brought back on the practice squad. I haven't, you know, I've, like I said, I've been in Paris. I haven't looked at the examined the bottom of the defensive tackle roster. Recently, no, that's but, all true.
0: You're good. You're good there. Yeah, yep.
1: <laughs> but 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 I guess my point is they haven't exactly made any moves that made you think like uh, Timmy Jernigan's going to be a while. I think they expect Jernigan to play fairly soon. My guess, like I said, would not be the Cowboys game, but maybe the following week in New Orleans. And if not, I would think by the third week he's he's definitely playing.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm gonna. I will probably split the difference with you. I, you know, uh, after hearing that, that does make a lot of sense. I'll say it's it's definitely after the Cowboys game, even if for if for consideration yeah. of playing. But I think we all kind of forget about Haloti Nada kind of, uh, you know, being healthy once again. And I think they're they just want to kind of skim by in the time being, which once again proves that. Uh, even though Elliot stole my take that the offense is more important, that's why they wouldn't got gold. Yeah, take, and I will obviously. say I did
1: steal your take on that. Like I remember we were <laughs> we we're sitting in in your little office at WIP, and you you said it, and it would like it like a light bulb went off my head, and I was like, "Holy shit, this guy is right." So I've been I've been pounding that hard since then. But yeah, uh, no, I I agree. I mean, look, even just yesterday, uh, I know we weren't there for the four o'clock games. I guess I don't know how long you stayed and gambled, but I mean that Ram Saints game just proves like offense is really all that matters. Like, getting Jernigan back is helpful, but at the end of the day, like, the Eagles are going to have to score 40-plus points to win in the playoffs. That's just a fact. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that was definitely one of my bigger takeaways. But we can get back to Jernigan, but that was just a takeaway from that
0: Rams Oh, no, fan. and we can, we can talk about that a little bit, too, because just in the, the, and, and which the, the way that the Rams is basically after that second half of they're getting shellacked and going, oh, well. You know, I mean, the game's over. A game would usually be over in any of those senses. And I wonder if anybody in New Orleans, maybe this will be our little research project. And in Los Angeles, even though I don't even know if Rams fans count. So maybe we have to go to St. Yeah. Louis rather than there. But just to see if they're complaining about their defenses right now. I mean, if you're the Saints, probably. I mean, that's very, very scary that a very high-powered offense like the Rams can just kind of light you up. And then you see Marcus Peters falling all over the place trying to yeah. cover Michael Thomas and the rest. But. Um, that's what that's what I need to see and you know more or less why I was really excited with Golden Tate especially coming in uh, to this week and I know that you were around him during the scrum uh, with Golden Tate coming in what was what was kind of uh, his his message I guess to the first first few days of being at Eagles practice here
1: well I want to ask you one quick question about that game before we go to Golden Tate sure and am I am I crazy to think that the Eagles would go into LA and beat the Rams right now in the playoffs. I'm not saying no, in the regular season in the playoffs.
0: I don't think that's crazy, and I actually have it as a win when they go to LA the, it, yeah. during the regular season. I don't want to start that narrative about Sean McVay yet, but it's getting pretty close. You know, like I the it's, it's it's the one that's brewing, and I don't know if he can win big games. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like but it's to me, it's that's starting more than to be Jared there. Goff.
1: That's more of a Jared Goff thing than a McVay thing, but they're they're at the hip, so I think that's not absolutely fair.
0: Yeah, and and maybe him too. I thought Jared Goff actually played really well right up until maybe that second to last drive, or you know, a few throws kind of got away from him there. But yeah, I have, I I, I know people are discussing even today, like, wow, I don't know if the Eagles are as good. Their offenses are nowhere close to those two teams. But as a as a team, like, I think the Eagles are better teams than those those two especially if they can get things to a point where it even looked remotely like last year where we can all agree that Carson Wentz is playing at a very high level if that maintains then you throw in Golden Tate and then you just kind of have the offense generating more points then yes i, I do feel i feel great about uh, the Saints and the and LA in the playoffs i'm not sure about the Saints in the, in the regular season i mean it's just that's the other part of it too it's such a such a hard place to play It always has been and when Drew yeah. Brees is playing like he is Saints are really dangerous, but I, I feel so, confident that they can hang with them eventually, Ellie. I,
1: I agree with you, obviously, on the Rams, because that was, was, you know, what I was saying. But I, first of all, with the Rams, I'm not, if I'm the Eagles, I'm not scared at all of playing Jared Goff. Like, to me, in the playoffs, you want to play a quarterback like Jared Goff. Like, that's who you want to line up against. You don't want Aaron Rodgers. You don't want Matt Ryan. You don't want Drew Brees. Like, you want to play Jared Goff. So, going to L.A., and, you know, to the big... Big game point. They went into LA last year and beat the Rams in a big game. So I don't think they'd be intimidated by that at all. But when you look at the Saints, to me, like that is a tall order. Like going going into New Orleans and having to play them in the playoffs because, you know, there's a lot of season left. Who knows what happens? But at this point, it would be pretty surprising if the Saints finished with a worse record than the Eagles. So more than likely, you're heading to New Orleans and I think those are the two best teams in the NFC, the Eagles and the Saints. Easily. So easily. I, yeah, I mean, and honestly, I might even put the Panthers third over the Rams, but I know that, you know, that'd probably be get me ratioed on Twitter. But um
0: No, I I mean, you can't really it, it would be hard to put anybody else there right now to be honest with you. I don't think that's a ratio tweet. It's just, you know, look what they've done unfortunately ever since they played the Eagles. It's, right. it's turned around. You're kind of waiting for that Panthers slump again. But all it did was pick them right back up. They got to face each other. I think uh, they played each other already or haven't. I can't remember. But would you, you know, pick uh, would you
1: pick the Panthers to come in? Because the Panthers would come into Philadelphia in the playoffs. So would you pick them to come in and beat the Eagles?
0: Absolutely not. I, they should have they won that game to begin with. And, and again, if that's like the sloppy Eagles against them, I want to see the real Eagles. And what this team? Mm-hmm. Who knows what the real Eagles are, too, because everybody keeps getting dinged up. I, to me, this is, this is GT, this is Eagles GT, uh, with Golden Tate. You know, before right. Golden Tate, PT. I, this is a to me. I know it's crazy, but this is a completely different team uh, with this guy in there. So, in a, a yeah. different energy is kind of surrounding all this stuff. I think they could beat the Panthers if they came in.
1: So I tend to agree. I picked them for an article I did on WIP. I, I picked the Panthers, but. I do think, like, that 50-50 at best. But the thing about Golden Tate and, you know, I was, you know what I've seen from the first few days, but also just my overall feeling is, like, the more I learned about him as a player and the more I'm around him, like, the more I think this was just a slam dunk by Howie Roseman. Like, I'm not going to pretend that when they trade for Golden Tate, I knew, like, the intricacies of his game and everything he could do. Like, I just, you know, I don't watch a lot of Lions football. So I knew he was a very good receiver, but I didn't know a ton. But the more you learn about him, like, I think this was just an absolute perfect, perfect fit for the eagles and to the point where if i'm the eagles like you only have this guy for eight games plus the playoffs and who knows what happens i'm featuring this guy every week like his ability to break 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 tackles and make plays after the catch i think is going to be huge uh he's a first down machine i think i saw uh, damo tweet no one has more first down catches than uh, golden tate does over the past maybe year or two um I just, you know, not to get into like a stats mean everything type of debate, but you just look at what this guy's produced in Detroit. And I think this was just a slam dunk move. And then I'm, I, I met him today for the first time in the locker room and he just seemed like he's really going to fit in. Uh, Carson went, I guess invited him to church on Sunday, him and his wife, but <laughs> T- Tate couldn't go because he had to study the playbook. So Tate, Tate's wife went with, with the Wentzes, with Wentz and his wife. So seems wow. like, he's singing in already. Um, he said that all the receivers are helping him out with the playbook. So I really think this is going to end up being a really good move. And to your point about saying Eagles, like, you know, pre-Golden Tate and post-Golden Tate, I do think like that's, when we when we look back to 2017 season, I think
0: that's going to end up taking a difference. I want a church girl who reads <laughs> Bible. <laughs> that's the only thing I but can of think course. of. Which is, which is awesome, by the way. I think that, you know, I mean, Carson is, of course, going to do that. And you're absolutely right. And this is – it's funny you bring that up with uh, with Howie and all that, because I remember him referencing maybe it was even right before the draft uh, during that time where, you know, you are studying. Oh, it was down at the combine, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, where he's bringing up looking at certain teams after they've won a Super Bowl, how they can kind of address all that, what to do yeah. and what not to do moving forward. And to me, that's kind of looking back now. He was obviously referring to Seattle. That, that came up and he didn't he gave like a nonchalant answer towards that. That's where I think they made their biggest mistake in Seattle because everybody will argue, well, you had to keep the defense together, and that they kind of said, well, we don't need Golden Tate in, in whatever role he was playing in, and maybe he wasn't playing slot at that point or at least that much or heavily do, uh, kind of doing in that. But, uh, I mean, just think of the Seahawks right now if they had the scrambling ability of Russell Wilson and the you know plays that are breaking down, him wanting to, uh, to go out and make big plays and then needing a playmaker to go do it. They don't really have yeah. that right now. Him and Doug Baldwin would have been fa- a fantastic combo, therefore now until eternity if they wanted to go and do that. And I think that's you can you can make the same argument with Carson here, and I know a couple of people have brought that up to Twitter to me, and I think that's really important too because he's always going to want to make the big play, and, and he has a guy that can kind of finally go and do that. I did hear when uh, you posted one of the videos when you are around the scrum, and, and I absolutely love every single time that I f- and tell me if this you think this is true or not. Every single time that a player is brought in, the f- the f- first couple of questions I always get asked is like, is it hard for you to learn the playbook? And every yeah. si- we know the answer before it's given. Well, the terminology is a little different, but it's yeah. basically the same stuff I'm used to. Yeah. So on I mean, and let's so forth. be
1: honest. Like, nine out of ten questions to all press conferences, we know what's going to
0: be said afterwards. It's yeah, <laughs> very true. I just but, I was like, yeah, no, like duh. I,
1: yeah, and I mean, Mike Gross said today afterwards, he said – uh you know, learning a new playbooks, like learning a new language. But the difference is, during the season, Tate's not learning the whole playbook they install in the offseason. Tate's only learning the game plans each week for the specific play. So, uh, that obviously is going to help him a little bit. And again, like, this is a veteran guy. He's played in multiple offenses. He's been on – this will be now his third team. So, um, you know, I would think at the end of the day, like, maybe this upcoming Sunday, you can't kind of give him – you can't use him in all the ways you want. But uh, I still think this Sunday – he's going to play a lot of snaps. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much he's on the outside versus how much he's on the inside. I mean, Nelson has been playing some outside. Uh, obviously this is going to impact Jordan Matthews' snaps, which isn't good for the brand, but it is what it is. Um, <laughs> but I, I, it'll just be interesting to see how they break that down and uh, how much they use them. But like I said, I really think this is a guy like if I were the Eagles, golden Tate would be the receiver. I would target the most the second half of the season. Like I would try to get this guy, the ball, um, especially in space, and, uh, you know, see what he can do.
0: Did um, – I don't know if – did anybody even try to ask Gro about usage or how they're going to work together or from Nelson himself around the locker room today at all?
1: Yeah, so Gro literally says nothing at all when he talks. So it, it's hard oh, to true. really <laughs> – it's hard to get much out of him. Uh, Nelson did talk, but it was it was at the same time as Golden Tate, so I, I wasn't over there for that. Um, but I saw a few clips. Our uh, WIP's David Uram tweeted one out. Nelson basically saying – you know, it doesn't bother him that uh, Golden Tate's here. But, of course, that is what he's going to say. Um, I don't think it bothers Nelson. And, honestly, if I were Nelson, I'd be happy because the new stuff they were asking him to do this season wasn't working out. Like the RPO passing game that he was much more yeah. involved in. You know, so and I think they'll have Golden Tate do that stuff. And I think you'll see Nelson return to more of a role that he played last year.
0: All right. We'll get to some questions as well. And we appreciate everybody doing that. That's Shore Parks at John Barchard at Go Birds Pod. Uh, for any more that we don't get to, and we'll uh, happy to answer them on the preview pod or any chance that we uh, have an opportunity to on the twitter dot com from uh, Matt Keel. Have you heard anything about? And this is pretty interesting because we were talking about it on Sunday. If you heard anything about the Eagles having legitimate interest in Bruce Irvin, um, mm-hmm. uh, I th- actually I think as we're recording this, the final marker for Monday waivers has gone through. I haven't seen anybody claim him or not, but do you think Bruce Irvin is it might be on their radar here, Elliot? It's a tough question, because obviously the loss of Derek Barnett impacts your defensive end depth chart, right?
1: And, I mean, how he just made a win-now move by bringing in Golden Tate. Now, the question is, how good do you really feel like Bruce Irvin is? I mean, he had a career his a career high in tax last year, but that was opposite Khalil Mack. Um, and I think there's also an argument he made. He might be more of a 3-4 type guy. I mean, he's played 4-3. But, so, I would have interest if I were the Eagles, um, just because you've lost Barnett. And as high as I am on Josh Sweat, like, I don't know how much you can expect him to make an immediate impact right now midway through his rookie year. Um, I would be surprised, I guess, but, like, my surprise factor from 1 to 10 is only at, like, a 4. Like, I don't think it would be super shocking, but I do think they probably want to try to give Sweat some more
0: snaps. And uh, Schwartz had mentioned so in uh, his press conference today, and yeah. I think all of us would like to see a little more Josh Sweat out there. Uh, kind of as well. Oh, yeah, by the way, Heath Cockburn always says the same thing to you at Thunderbutt 215, and I know he's probably just trolling, but I know people, like, you had said at one point you wanted Lynch over Wentz, which you weren't the only one. There was, like, 70 other right. people that I saw with that take as well. I didn't like the Carson Wentz trade to begin with. There's a, You know, it was a mixed bag, so I don't know why you always get tagged you as— you didn't like the Carson Wentz trade? I never knew that about it. Me and you. James were furious about that when it first happened. Wow. Like, I couldn't understand wow. it at all. Uh, because I liked wins, but I didn't like. Your old tweet. Oh no, not even tweet. I mean, they're everywhere. They're ever. They're on episode, old episodes too. I'll I'll definitely link wow. them to. Like I, I was furious that it happened. I wasn't a lynch person. I mean, like Jesus, I was rooting for Jacoby Perse at that point. Like during that whole draft class, because I thought he had the goods. So it's like this is ridiculous. They're so close, and you're overpaying, and it uh, shows you that I can't evaluate QB talent at all. So well, I, and, and, and not, and not a lot of us can. Right. Well,
1: yeah, 100%. I mean, and it's funny you bring that up because I think the perfect example of how, like, to a certain degree, just, you just literally never know, and it's almost impossible to know if you don't get to meet the player was that story that came out this past weekend about Jamarcus Russell. Because oh, yeah. Jamarcus Russell, like, on film, I mean, appeared to have literally all the, the, the skills you would want, right? But then there's that tape, uh, the, the story that comes out that the Raiders would give him blank tapes and then ask him the next <laughs> day what was on it. And he would just lie. Like, you know, we, yeah. we can't know that looking at this stuff. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I was uh, Yeah, because, I,
0: and also, just to, just to point out, if me and Elliot both sat down with Carson Wentz and heard him speak just like he did with John DiFilippo and Hugh right. Jackson, where apparently he wrote every play in under three minutes, I'd be like, okay, I'm wrong, this kid's awesome, you need to go after him
1: immediately. Like, yeah, none of us exactly. have that info. Exactly. Yeah, and I, you know, the funny part too is like Paxton Lynch was the uh, the beginner of the franchise swag movement. Like that was the original was. franchise swag guy. So <laughs> sometimes <laughs> now now Carson is number one on the Eagles, though I would say in my franchise swag rig. But yeah, uh, the Paxton Lynch yeah. pick—that's that, a famous one.
0: That is that is a, a very famous one, and I appreciate you for being team no delete because neither am I. Uh, Philip J. Realistic view of Golden Tate in this offense and what it brings to the other weapons. And that's kind of something that I've kind of gone back and forth with. I'm not exactly sure if Golden Tate opens up anybody, frees anybody up, but the only guy that I can really think and it's, again, just going back to if they're running 12 personnel with him in it, Dallas Goddard, if he's in there, might free him Mm -hmm. up a little more because you're worried about Golden Tate. Um, I I think him and Alshon complement each other immensely. I don't think this opens up a guy like Zach Ertz. I think it kind of actually takes him away in terms of really just fantasy numbers and stat numbers, I think it might take away some catches for him because you're going to want a guy that's yak, 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 but it's still Carson and Ertz, and that relationship is going nowhere. But do you think this kind of does anything to the other offensive weapons?
1: So I think all your points are true. The, The only thing I would add to that is I actually think this helped Alshon because Alshon's a guy that historically throughout his career, when he's that number one option on the outside, Hasn't really putting up big, has not been able to put up big numbers. I mean, his best career, his best year in his career was when he was the number two to Brandon Marshall. Now, I'm not saying Golden Tate is going to come in and be like the number one option on the outside, but I do think just the fact that he's now opposite Golden Tate, a guy that other the other opposing defenses are going to have to game plan for. I mean, this is the best receiver he's played opposite of probably since Brandon Marshall, and definitely in an Eagles uniform. So. I do think it'll help Alshon and kind of, you know, relieve some of that pressure on the outside.
0: Yeah, I'm just excited to see if he can kind of repeat his performance in, in week four. And I, I heard him talking mm-hmm. about that a little bit too when you're in the scrum and him just being in there hasn't gone over his notes from Dallas yet. Um, that's why I'm kind of excited to see if they kind of uh, throw some of those packages in that they were but doing. But the interesting,
1: the interesting thing about, like, because in his introductory press conference, he was like, yeah, I've always played well against Dallas. I enjoy it. So I, I looked it up. And unless pro football reference is wrong, which they never are, uh, he's one He's one in three and averages like 50 yards a game against them, and that includes his last big game. So I don't know what he was really talking about with that, but obviously his last game was a big one.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, oh, man, that's funny. I'll have to go look those up too. Be yeah, because to I was like, man, part. this will be a good story, like blah,
1: blah. And then I, I go and I look it up, and I'm like, this is actually really nope. bad. <laughs>
0: Uh, Thomas Delp wanted to know, do you think the division will come down to the Eagles in Washington uh, in Week 17? And if so, who do you think wins? And we will definitely dive more into what's happening in Washington over this weekend when we uh, do yeah. the piece tomorrow with me and Vince Quinn. But boy, oh boy, is uh, Washington now is missing two of their starting offensive linemen. They've just been the IR'd. Paul Richardson, I think, is done for the year as well, as I saw. So they are going through the scrap heap to find offensive linemen. And, you know, people go, wow, that really sucks for Washington. But at the same time, I mean, the Eagles aren't that far off from being in that position. (laughs) Granted, not for for the rest of the year, but they've been kind of doing that with Peters and Lane Johnson uh, so far. So um, I still think now, and this is what's weird, and, you know, the Falcons just absolutely crushed them on Sunday. I think this is still the Eagles division to win. And I, I would think if it came down to those two with what's in place now, uh, even if Lane Johnson isn't here, I would say that the Eagles would probably win that game. I still think they're be- the best uh, team in the division. Elliot,
1: yeah, I don't even think it's close. Washington is not a good football team. Like I don't care what their no. record is. Like if you're the Eagles, you beat Washington.
0: So to me, this whole
1: idea that it was going to come down to the Eagles and Redskins is just—it's almost silly. Like if it comes down to that, then they don't deserve to win the division. Because if it comes down to that, then you're talking about like nine and seven. Because the Redskins are probably not going to finish with a winning record. Especially after the injury. So, I, I, th- I don't think it comes down to Week 17. I think the Eagles have this wrapped up prior to Week
0: 17. Uh, Nate Watson, I know our good friend Casey Young, was asking kind of the the same uh, questions here. Best guess at starting corners and safeties against Dallas. And then, obviously, Casey was more in reference to Vontae Maddox and whether he can be a long-term mm-hmm. safety and stick kind of there. To me, I mean, until we have uh, um, any news on Roddy McLeod, even remotely returning, I'm not moving – uh, Avante Maddox here. Devontae Bosby actually got called up to the practice squad, and then it wasn't until then that I didn't realize this. Elliot, why is it that they, they signed Dexter McDougal and not Bosby after you know, uh, Sidney Jones went down? <laughs> I mean, he was yeah, playing a in the slot, he was playing outside. Like, why why that? You know, it was, it was kind of weird to me, but who do you think is I, I don't think anything really changes outside of what they've been doing so far. Um, no updates on Jalen Mills either today, I'm assuming either, but. Um, yeah apparently uh, unless... he had a walking
1: boot on at the Sixers game for what it's he worth did. I thought a few
0: people tweet that so yeah yeah I, I saw that too so I mean if that happens then it's Razul and if not Jalen's gonna be there nothing changes right
1: yeah I would think so I think with the, when they switched Maddox to safety I think they did that with the long term in mind and then when Sydney went down in a pinch they had to move him back to nickel. Or, you know, they, they that's where they kind of, like, figured out what they want to do for that one game. But I think long-term, uh, the rest of the season, I definitely think Avante Maddox is going to stay at safety. The interesting question is beyond this year. Because Avante Maddox, I think, has played well at safety. And Rodney McLeod is a guy that, when you look at just his contract and things like that, like, him being back in 2019 wasn't an absolute lock to begin with.
0: So Correct.
1: you say to yourself, all right, Avante Maddox could be our long-term option at safety. He obviously has versatility. I actually think he could eventually take over for what they asked Malcolm to do now because of just, you know, his experience at nickel. So I do think maybe keeping him at safety would be the right option. And then you look at the cornerbacks, you have Jalen Sidney, Ronald Darby, and Rasul. Now maybe Ronald Darby leaves, but I don't think you absolutely need Avante Maddox at, uh, at nickel. But, but let me throw you, let me throw this question past you. If the okay. Eagles, and this is a this is a extreme hypothetical, but just just stick with me here. If the Eagles could only protect one cornerback on their roster, like it was a like a fantasy or like a, an expansion draft or whatever, who do you think they would protect?
0: Poof. Uh, and like everybody's open, right? In in this scenario, who are they protecting? Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so
1: I mean, doesn't mean the guy's going to get picked, but you're exposing him to the option of being picked.
0: Uh, I would. I mean, Darby would be out there. And then uh, Razul would be out there, and then I think everybody right. else might 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 be under protection in that sort. Because I agree, so I'm it, saying that was if kind they can only
1: pick one though.
0: Oh, if they can only pick one of those guys to hold on to, yeah. Uh, I st- Jalen Mills. I not Nobody <laughs> wants to hear that, but that's true. I mean, that's just you know. Uh, I per pres- I would want them to hold on to Ronald Darby and then have Sidney Jones on the outside, and then kind of and you know once it- they're never going to do it, but they should really move Jalen. To safety as well and maybe actually have Avante be his backup if you're going to move on from Rodney McLeod. Or, like that, that's, to me, that's what they need more than more than anything or move Avante down to nickel and have him play there, have Jalen play safety, have Avante be the backup, and then you have Bosby or some other random nickel that you end up drafting during then too. But yeah, I mean, they, <laughs> for better or for worse, they're going to lock down Jalen Mills. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna, gonna move change. on from you suggesting they put Jalen Mills at backup safety. I'm just gonna pretend I didn't hear that. No, no, no that. not, not <laughs> backup safety at safety. Avante oh, Maddox okay. would be the backup. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so no, I he would actually
1: be, he... think I actually think it would be Avante Maddox if they could uh, protect anybody on the you know any of the corners. Because and don't get me wrong, like I said on with the camera and Richie a few weeks ago, like Jalen Mills is the guy they like the most. Like Corey Unland loves Jalen Mills. Uh, Jim Schwartz loves Jalen Mills. I think they see a lot of Jalen in Avante in terms of like his personality, his football knowledge, his toughness. Um, But but what Avante has that at least Jalen hasn't had the opportunity to show yet is versatility. He can play safety. He can play nickel. He could probably play the outside if you asked him to. He played in college. So I really think they're extremely high on Avante Maddox. There's a lot of different questions in the secondary. What will happen in 2019? The one thing I can tell you with absolute certainty is Avante Maddox will be playing almost all the snaps next year in the secondary, whether yes. that is at nickel or whether that is at safety.
0: A hundred percent. And I, and Avante has, in, in terms of, he's just got more talent than Jalen does right now in my eyes, like in just an all around loop. Like there are some things that, are, you know, Jalen's probably a little better at, but uh, yeah, Avante's, very, very talented. And I, uh, I don't want him going anywhere. <laughs> so yeah. uh, we'll have to keep an uh, kinda eye on that. And um, I think that was and when somebody asked, and I apologize, I just accidentally clicked away the handle. But uh, that kind of goes into uh, his question on you know who do you think they're retaining in 2019? Pretty much all those guys that I had mentioned and you had mentioned are probably true. I don't think they you know, hang on to Ronald Darby. I doubt that Brandon Graham is back here either by free agency or... Just sheer numbers or uh, whatever happens, even though I know they want him here and he kind of wants to be here, but I don't know. What do you think?
1: Well, the interesting thing with Darby is he's actually not playing that well, which, you know, impacts his contract, right? So on one hand, you're like, well, he's not playing that well. Why would they want him back? On the other hand, if he continues to play at the level he is, and he had a, you know not a great second half of the season last year when he returned. He had a few games, but he overall wasn't that great, um, especially the Super Bowl. But with Darby, if his contract number comes low enough, I do think they would want him back. Uh, you give up a third-round pick for him. Um, Sydney, I think at this point, like, and you brought it up a ton. Like Sydney was great in training camp, but at this point, I really think you have to start asking if Sydney's able to stay healthy. Um, so yeah. I think that's like a tough part there. Um, Jalen Mills, you know, he'll be back. I would think they're not going to trade him, but. I think Darby has actually a pretty decent chance of coming back if his contract ends up being low enough. Um Brandon Graham, like that's an interesting one. Uh, I don't know. I mean, what do you think? I tend to lean towards him being back, but I don't know.
0: I think that um I it has been a it's been a a great and complicated relationship all at the same time, I think, for our, all parties involved and Yeah. You know, Brandon was Brandon has been a team guy for a very long time, and I don't feel like he thinks he's getting reward enough, at least monetarily. And that's part of the business side. It doesn't mean that he wouldn't want to be back here, but like it's been a, they've uh, they've basically done everything that they've asked him to, and I just don't think he's going to be back. You know, I think there's going to be somebody like whoever the next Rams are, whoever the next Saints are, whoever the next is. Like we're almost there, and we're we've got it, and maybe maybe it's somebody like the Chargers. That needs that extra piece, and Philip Rivers wants to give it one more go. And they need a they need another pass rusher along with Bosa after coming back. Something like that, where I think somebody would be willing to overspend a little bit on him to kind of go after a Super well run. It might that might be the Eagles too, but you know they did draft pass rushers and things um, moving yeah, but, forward. But it's
1: but Barnett's hurt. I mean, I think that factors in now, right? I know it's oh, not certainly. an ACL, but but I mean, you know, a shoulder surgery. You know, it does impact you. Obviously, you can't lift. It affects your upper body weight. I mean, uh, strength. But interesting story about uh, Graham that I actually think happened before I made the the wise move to come to the Go Bird Network was. So he was on. It was during the Super Bowl ring ceremony. Um, he had his phone on. Uh, he was doing like Instagram. Oh, yeah. Live. I, t- I, I tweeted that shit out.
0: <laughs> OK. All right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So when, when him and Howie had that conversation. Uh huh. Yeah, so I thought that was an eye into, like, you know, I think, I like, and again, he's not having a great year. He's a little older. I'm not sure his value's out there. I think he'll want to stay here. So I kind of think that happens. But the free agent we haven't discussed that, for some reason, never gets brought up when I think he's the most important one outside of Wentz is Jordan Hicks. I mean, he's your starting middle linebacker. He's the quarterback of the defense. He's playing well this season. He's shown that he's recovered. Like, losing him would be a fairly significant blow, and he's a free agent after this year. Yeah. So I think that that is, like, if you're going to prioritize, like, a pecking order, like, I guess Wentz, but I have an opinion on that that we can discuss later on. But, like, so it would be Wentz, and then I guess it would be Hicks, then I would say Graham, then Darby, then, I guess, Jai, but I would say roughly that would be my order.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's pretty good, too. I will say that this free agent class of pass rushers is ridiculously stacked too, so yeah. i mean if even if you wanted to go for i think i think it's uh Houston's contract is up again um hall's contract is up like there's a there's a bunch of different pass rushers that might be on the market and if if Brandon Graham sees fit that I mean he could be that second third fourth option that somebody overpays, so it'll be it'll be pretty mm-hmm. interesting to see, and certainly once we get closer to two thousand and nineteen we'll be discussing. Uh, a ton of that. But any uh, any final words before we get out of here, ESP? Yeah, I have two. So
1: the first is uh, to bring it all back and kind of tie it together. Big next, obviously, a second half of the season is big for Timmy Jernigan just as a player, but also contractually. I mean, if the Eagles won, they can designate him post-June 1st cut. This offseason, save $10 million. And when we just talked about all those free agents that they have, I think – I would lean towards releasing him unless he really has a monster second half of the year. So big, big, you know, financial implications for Jernigan in the second half. But um, I, have a, I have a Paris take, unless you have some thoughts on um, oh. on the again thing.
0: No, no, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I,
1: I have – here's my take. Snails are better than calamari.
0: Oh, hands down. Yeah, goes is the shit. No, okay. if, if nobody knows that by like now – no, no, that's it. Might offend somebody, but it doesn't offend me because I think calamari is whatever. It's like, nah, uh, grilled grilled octopus, escargot, all that stuff is way better.
1: So yeah, so I had I had the snails in, uh, in in Paris, and they're just better than calamari. Like the sauce is better. The other thing I'll say is I had I went to this really nice oyster place, like ridiculously way too expensive. I shouldn't have gone, but oysters by themselves are pretty much trash. People don't like oh oysters. They only. We, they, wait, wait, wait for it. <laughs> They only like the sauce that goes with it. No one enjoys oysters. You're only tasting what's on top
0: of it. Well, what's the sauce that's going with it? Because you, I mean, like you, were, I saw you on Twitter. and We fought about it a little bit, and Chris and cocktail Rogers backed sauce, me up ma'am. on this. Yeah, cocktail sauce. And what's what's cocktail sauce?
1: I don't know. It's that red stuff they give you with oysters. I don't Ketchup know and
0: it. fucking horseradish. Ketchup and horseradish, which is, but a little bit childish. Uh, no. and, uh, All right. Well, what and- do you want with your oysters then? <laughs> Uh, a minyette sauce, squeeze a lemon, freaking vodka and hot sauce in there. Let's go. Shooters, whatever it is, it's a great vehicle. And honestly, we got to open up your palate because, you know, the West Coast Cushies, the East Coast Naked Cowboys, all the (laughs) P.E.I.s. There's so many different flavors and and deliciousness. No, we come for the oysters. I don't – I personally am not a big cocktail sauce guy. I will use it every now and again because – you know, because yeah, uh, the horseradish, and if it's fresh horseradish in there, then it's banging and delicious and all yeah, that fun stuff. But it's far
1: superior oyster option. That mignet sauce, whatever the fuck it's called. Like, mignet. <laughs> Min- uh... <laughs> the mignet sauce, like, you can barely taste it. So, like, I was literally eating these oysters, and it tasted like I was just eating, like,
0: seawater Oysters. And- yeah, I know. That's what the point of it is. Yeah. They're, uh, man. Yeah, I, I don't know. And we got to... We got it. like there are some food takes that we align on and others I just don't know where they're coming from. It's like I gotta, well, yeah, out of all out. Yeah, the field. mayo on the cheesesteaks. I I think you were were
1: you anti that?
0: No, I'm pro uh cheesesteak hoagies which has mayo on them. Uh, I am anti ketchup on the cheesesteak, of course. And oh, the salt, pepper yeah. and all that the other The best cheesesteak
1: out there is ketchup, mayo, fried onion, salt and pepper. It's not even debatable.
0: <laughs> you and it, John Mark's literally not deserve, deserve each question. other. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Well uh <laughs> If you have any problem with the food takes, you know, again, at Elliot Shore Parks, and yeah. uh, we'll be happy to take yours as well. 267-245-6066. Anything related to what we're talking about, if you put a voicemail on it. We will answer the questions as best you can. It doesn't have, like, you know, a fancy voicemail greeting. Don't get scared by that. Just leave us your name, and uh, we will put your takes on uh, the next available podcast that we can. Elliot, thanks for uh, joining us, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your Monday, sir.
1: Yep, talk to you guys on Thursday.